0: Welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland Athletics and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, beat writer Susan Slusser, and this week we welcome A's reliever Liam Hendricks, who will discuss Oakland's bullpen, his love for animals, including a new family addition, and his wife's efforts against cyberbullying. Also on the podcast, A.J. Puck tells us what video games he's currently playing, and John Shea... Joins us for his weekly segment to discuss this year's A's team. Let's welcome Liam Hendricks, the A's reliever, to A's Plus. Liam made 70 appearances last year as an A's reliever. He is going into his third season with the A's, and before that he played for the Twins, the Royals, and, of course, the Blue Jays. Uh, Liam, your season last year was sort of unusual. You struggled a little bit in the first half, and in the second half it was lights out. What what was the difference there for you?
1: Um, I actually had a moment where I just kind of come-to-Jesus moment kind of thing where I just decided to stop worrying about everything and trust myself. and. It's one of those things I think I go through every year where it's like I'll go through a bit of a rough stretch and I'll try and reinvent the wheel. And um I mean even even with the year last year, you take away three outings and I all of a sudden I had a two. Had uh three outings where I gave up eleven runs with two outs. So it's not ideal, but um yeah, I think it's just one of those things. I started uh I started having like this little motivational sheet next to my locker that I'd look at every day just to remind myself of why I got here, how I got here and what I've done while I've been here. And I think that uh, it definitely helped reiterate what I was thinking, and, and taking that to the mound definitely helped.
0: No mechanical adjustments or um, honing anything with any of your pitches? Just trying to get
1: back to the basics.
0: I uh, I went through a little bit of when I was struggling to try
1: and change, and that just kind of made it worse. And then once I kind of like had that moment, I was like, okay, let's just go out there and do what feels natural. Let's just throw it, and it seemed to work out all right.
0: Now, how do you carry what you did in the second half of last season into this season, especially after a long winter and, uh, and a long spring?
1: Uh, yeah, I've been mean, just trying to go through the same thing, like having that little sheet there that I'd look at every day, just to try and remind myself like why I got here, all the same things. And it's, uh, it's one of those things is like every every spring training, you come into camp and all of a sudden, what feels natural feels abnormal for a little bit, and uh, it's just trying to get that get that mojo back, and trying to get those like mechanics going the same way. And you try not to worry too much about mechanics, just because uh, as soon as you start doing that, you get in your head. But uh, it's just a matter of going out there and trying to trying to get back to normality, which is uh, which is always tough.
0: Now, the composition of the bullpen is a little different this year. Obviously, last year, when we think of the A's bullpen, we kind of think of the names like Sean Doolittle and Ryan Matson and you had a lot of big personalities. How are things shaping up with the bullpen this year, just in terms of, of the group of guys? Because that's always very important, right? The kind of bunch of guys that you spend so much time with every day, um, especially adding um, guys like Petit and Pagan out there.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm um... We've uh, we've had our conversation so far, and it seems like it's a it's a pretty interesting group. Obviously, last year was a little tough to top with Axford, Madsen and Doolittle out there with uh, three veteran guys who know what to do and they know how to have fun as well out there. So we got a, we added Petit, who's a veteran guy who can do the same thing. He's done a multitude of roles. Pagan is kind of. Um, not a rookie, but uh, he's up there with that. And it's just uh, so far, our interactions have been really good. It seems like a good group of guys. No one's stepping on each other's toes. And uh, it'll be a good chance to see him after and see if we still like each other after 162 games.
0: Um, in terms of abilities it seems like it's very versatile there are guys like Petit who can kind of do everything you've got a couple one inning guys you've got guys like yourself who could go more than an inning you've got numerous guys who could close what's your evaluation of you guys simply from a a pitching standpoint
1: from a pitching standpoint i know that me and uh, coulomb have talked and said it's going to be a little bit of a relief having like more guys who can go multiple innings because we were asked to do that a lot last year and we both kind of Got a little burned out at periods of the season. So um having Pagan and Petite guys can go multiples. I know Trina went multiples last year. I'm assuming Hatcher and Buckter and all these guys can all go multiples if needed. And that's one of those things is like having those those guys who have that ability to be able to go multiple innings, you can kind of you don't have to rest on those two guys every outing just in case. You can use these two guys and then you can almost guarantee them a day or two off just because you've got guys who can cover innings and you got uh, everyone out there, like having Petite out there is huge just cause Regardless of the situation, you can throw him out there to close. You can throw him out there in this in a like a tight game in the eighth inning, or you can throw him out there the third inning, and, and he can go get three, four innings, which is always nice. So, it's a it's a good group of uh, it's a good group of versatility out there, which is nice.
0: That's when Petit came over. Uh, Bob Melvin, he said a couple of times he just really doesn't care at all what role he's used in. How difficult is that for a reliever? Because I know a lot of times guys want to sort of want to know, you You might not know exactly what inning you're coming in or he might be facing, but you want kind of a general idea, it seems like, what your duties might be on a given day.
1: Yeah, just for preparation purposes, it's uh, it's nice knowing what inning-ish you're going to pitch in. Obviously, if you're sitting out there and you've been going in the seventh, 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 and all of a sudden they get, get you going in the second, it's uh, it's a little weird, and it takes you a little bit to get get it going then. But, I mean, it's it's a tribute to him because it's, it, it, it's very humbling when you have to go out there and be like, hey, I don't care when I pitch, you just throw me whenever. Because especially as athletes, you kind of get that little ego boost when you're in the later area of the game, and you need to try and take a step back and realize, like, no, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, all we're trying to do is help a win. You can help us win in the second, third, fourth, fifth, as well as the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth.
0: Now, asking about new guys, I really actually almost should have asked about Hatcher and China because they came over in that trade, obviously with Doolittle and Matson from the Nationals, and they both settled in really quickly into their roles. What what did you think of them when they when they came over and how well they wound up doing for you guys in the bullpen?
1: It's always good. I mean, they bring different views on pitching from their times with different teams. Obviously, uh, Hatcher's been with the Marlins and the Dodgers, and it's just interesting hearing how some of those guys go about their business because it's you always get that moment where you're like okay maybe we'll, maybe this might work for me or trying something new and all of a sudden it takes off so you got that period and then uh, trying and coming from Washington which I had a little bit of a relationship with some of the guys he played with uh, with zepchensky the year before and and stuff like that so it's uh but they've been they were a really good group they molded pretty well with the bullpen and uh, that, that makes things a lot easier when you've got uh, personalities that can they can work well together
0: and how would you say things are coming together for you guys as a whole this spring? Are you kind of noticing things? It's it's early so far. What do you look for personally? Sort of a week and a half, two weeks into spring training. Uh,
1: not a whole lot on the field wise. You see how guys go about their business, but at the end of the day, it's like you just you see how they are in the clubhouse. The better they are in the clubhouse, it's just it makes things easier so that you know you can get comfortable with guys. And if you see something here in the first like the end of spring training, first week of the season, right around there, then you can be like, hey. I noticed this. I didn't want to say anything early because I wasn't sure how you how you would take it, but it's always interesting. Like um, now kind of being semi more veteran on this uh on this team, it's always it's a different feel, and it's uh, it's something that uh, I know some of the guys are coming up to me last year and asking questions and doing this, and it's it's pretty cool just being able to have that have guys come up to you. And I remember being that guy, like kind of almost terrified to go up to certain guys when I when I first cracked the big leagues with the Twins in 2011
0: you mentioned earlier your um you know you really the bulk of the damage off you last year came in three outings they always talk about you need a short memory in the bullpen is that is that really the most important ingredient for a reliever and how do you do that especially if you've really had a rough outing
1: it's like selective hearing you got to uh keep going with the good ones and you got to forget about the bad ones I mean take what you can from them that day maybe the next day and then by the time the next game starts forget it and just move on forward it's uh it's tough, and that's what kind of happened to me last year. It snowboarded a little bit in the middle. Um, took me a while to get over it, but once I got over it, I was rolling again. And that's just uh, that's unfortunately how it works for a reliever. You can't you can have two outings that can completely change your entire career for that season, and then seasons seasons forward going depending on if you're uh, where you are in your contract status. But um, it's one of those things. It's uh, it's very tough to sometimes get past it, but as soon as you get past it, it's uh, the sooner you can get past it, the better. Really.
0: What – you're obviously Australian. Um, what do you do in the off-season? Do you go home to Australia at all? I know you have a place in Florida. What do you typically do, and, and what, what is sort of your workout? When do you start throwing again? What sort of other things do you do f- to work out?
1: Uh, typically we go back to Florida. My wife is uh, – my mother-in-law is down there. We go back. We uh, we spend some time with our family down there, and then we try and get back every other year. It's been a couple years now that it's, since I've been going back, but um, yeah, we try and get back there every other year. It's a, it's a long trip, and it's one of those things where it's um, – you go for a while, and it's the off season so short. You want to be able to sleep in your own bed. You want to be able to sleep with your animals and stuff like this. And obviously, I got a few of those. But um, and my off season consists of I probably take a good two weeks to a month off, depending on how I'm feeling, and then get into the gym and then around November, December, start throwing just to get it going. I, st- I usually start a little early this year. I start a little later. I started around like middle December, just to give myself a little time, just I want to see how my body comes up with the shorter time because obviously the more you throw, the more you throw, the more you throw, at some some point something's going to break and it's just now about uh, trying to maintain and you, you get bigger during the off season, then you try and maintain through the season, which is my goal.
0: Now, you mentioned your animals. You and I are both animal lovers. We've talked a lot about it. Um, I know you have some new additions to your family that you need to tell us about. Uh, and you're involved in a lot of sort of animal charities. Uh, what are you doing now? And also tell us about your the new pets in your family.
1: Yeah, So we, uh, we rescued slash adopted uh, a new cat. He's an orange tabby out of Fort Myers. He was, we think, displaced by uh, Hurricane Irma. Very friendly. We got him in there. We got him fixed. We got him taken care of and everything. And then we took him home as like a, okay we're gonna see how he integrates with our cats we have two already, and he did extremely well. Uh, his name's Mitchell Pritchett for being orange. Uh, big fan, big fans of modern family obviously, but um, yeah he's doing well. Uh, then the charities we deal with we deal with uh, Players for Pits out of Chicago, Mission Canine out of Houston, and uh, Tony Lewis's Animal Rescue Foundation out of the Bay Area, and another one is Remember Me Thursday which. Uh, which is a pretty big one that we like to do with. Um, but uh, no, uh, Mission Canine—they retrain, rehabilitate, and rehome ex-army and police canines. So it's a, it's a very daunting task after some of those animals have seen some very uh, very interesting things on the force or in war zones and stuff like that. So it was a really cool experience going out to see those dogs, and they're uh, they're really cool once you get um, once you get to know them. Like there's they've got they've all got their interesting attitudes and stuff like that, and they're they're trained in certain things. So you need to kind of untrained or retrain them to get into like retirement almost. Um, yeah, then Players for Pits is our, is our, we've been aligned with them since the since the beginning in 2014. And uh, I think it might have actually been earlier than that, but we, uh, we speak, I speak at their gala every year in Chicago. They deal with uh, pit bulls mainly, but we align with ourselves with those because they have chihuahuas. Chihuahuas are the second most returned animal in the U.S., just because of the yapping, I'm assuming, and they grow up, and all of a sudden they're not as pretty and cute and little and stuff like that. So, yeah, we've got a, we've got a lot of animal charities we work with. Um, it's one of the things that we both, my wife and I, are very keen on continuing. Um, and yeah, we're always looking for for people to help donate and and help save as many animals as we can. We also land ourselves this year with uh, Collier County Animal Rescue. They um, they're going to try and build a rescue right now and they're the largest county in the U.S. without an animal rescue so they held a police canine obstacle competition and they we donated some stuff for them to raffle off and uh, it's it, it was really cool you get that kind of police canine vibe and they're also helping rescue animals from the from the area as well which is really cool
0: that's great and you and it's Christy right yes yeah you and Christy have um several chihuahuas yourself how many do you have
1: uh we have three chihuahuas we have uh, Nika, who's our foster, who we got in Arizona, Jack and Stella, who are ours. And then the three cats are Henry, Leroy, and Mitchie Pritchie. That's
0: a, that's a nice big family. Now, you're also, um, this spring, involved in another uh, endeavor, a charitable endeavor. You were handing out shirts the other day about cyberbullying. Explain explain that to, to us.
1: Uh, so the shirt said, nice needs no filter. And it's one of those things, especially with how prevalent social media is with school children and even professional athletes and especially their wives as well. Um, we wore a pink shirt on February 28th to raise awareness, and it was Pink Shirt Day. But we're just looking at um, my. It was, it's pretty personal for us because my wife dealt with uh, some cyberbullying when we first broke into the big leagues, and it's um, it's a it's an interesting thing. It's uh, it wears you down because it's almost like you're scared to go online regardless of anything. It's just a lot of the people who post on this stuff tend to be. I call them key- uh, keyboard ninjas and keyboard warriors. They just uh, they can say whatever they want without repercussion because of the fact that they're behind a keyboard. No one's gonna come back at them, and if they do, they can shrug it off because it's on a computer. But when uh, it was it was tough when like I go through struggles on the season and everything like that, and then all of a sudden, like I don't mind if you say stuff about me. I can shrug it off and do all that. But when you start bringing family into it, then it's uh, then it's a big issue for me because you start bringing family and you start there's some very very derogatory things that have been said and it's just uh it's tough because not only are they false i mean there was an article last year i said about immigration and obviously i'm being being australian um i was completely crucified online just because of my views where people didn't quite read the whole story and they were like well how are you an illegal immigrant being able to work in this country and obviously obviously i'm not illegal obviously i'm here in the right ways and uh it's just an interesting thing to um to uh to to battle just certain things of certain views where they can be completely wrong and have no repercussions
0: so you guys are trying to help uh with the cyberbullying. is mm-hmm. a is there an organization or is it just sort of trying to spread awareness that um that's not the way to go in a sort of a nice society
1: it's raising awareness there's a charity that we're dealing with out of Canada that my wife this is pretty much my wife's uh domain where uh We have our things each that we do, and this is one of the things that she feels very strongly about. And I'm just backing her up in this, and and trying to raise as much awareness as possible. But she's the one who's dealing with certain like this is this has affected her a lot more than it has me. And it's one of those things that she is very very uh, proactive about doing things in the community. Um, And this is one thing that she just wanted to do herself. She's going out there and she's battling through it. And um, there's a company, there's a charity out of uh, it's out of Canada. Um, The name will. It's just Pink Shirt Day that uh, that they were dealing with, and it's uh, it's a great great organisation out there, and they're just trying to raise awareness. And like any time you ever go through any cyberbullying, there's always people out there who have gone through the same thing. There's chat, there's chat rooms, there's hotlines that you can just call in and and vent, and people will be there for a shoulder to lean on. And there's always people who have gone through something that you've gone through. You're not alone, and it should never get to anything past that. If you ever have any issues, just reach out there's there's a ton of places online that you can go and and reach out to people who will be able to willing like willing to help out and and guide you through the process
0: oh man that's so great to hear so if you see a's players wearing pink shirts like during batting practice it's good chance it's from pink shirt day and that's a good message and a a good uh, organization to remember now my last question uh, i remember when you first came to the team we talked a little bit about your past as an australian rules football Mm -hmm. player um, obviously, for contract reasons, I'm sure you don't play anymore. But what can you tell us about Australian rules football? I know your whole family, your dad and your granddad, were all players. Uh, give us a quick little synopsis on Australian rules football and why it's such a great sport.
1: Yeah, as you're right. Uh, not even the contract status is the fact that the seasons are, are aligned. So obviously, Australian rules football is a winter sport, and baseball is a summer sport. But they coexist because of uh, the time change and difference in seasons and everything like that between here and Australia. But um, yeah, yes rules football is, field's about 180 yards long, there's uh, 18 people on each team on the field, <laughs> and it's just organized chaos really. But um, I loved growing up, I played it all the time. Um, yeah, you, if you kick a ball through the two middle sticks, it's six points. If you can get through the two little sticks on the side of that, it's a point. But uh, it's it's a sport that's very hard to explain, unless you watch it and I can go through it with people. <laughs> but there's a, there's a league out in the Bay Area um, uh, they're called the Pirates, I believe, and they um, yeah, there's there's leagues out in pretty much a lot of cities around there that uh, that enjoy playing it, and it's it's really cool. I remember flicking through channels in Toronto when they were they were playing football on TV, and I was watching it. My dad's a scout now, so I sent him a video, seeing if there was anybody there. But there's a bunch of people well, pushing strollers in the back, just like what are they doing? I don't understand this game. What's going on? But it's it's a sport like no other. That's uh, it's kind of a mixture of about four or five different sports that they've taken and run with, and. It's always interesting watching people try and figure it out while they're just looking at it like I have no idea what's going on. And
0: tell me, what was your
1: position again? I was a halfback flank. So I was uh, kind of usually on the left side because I'm left footed. So I was on the left side of the defense and I was just pretty much just running through there making sure my guy didn't get any any touches.
0: That sounds fun. I'm going to have to check that out. (laughs) Okay, everybody in the Bay Area, check out the Pirates if you can and and, uh, figure out what Australian rules football is all about. Liam Hendricks, thanks so much for joining us on A's Plus.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: We are welcoming AJ Puck into A's Plus in the players' choice segment. AJ I understand that you are a pretty um, a good gamer. What what are you playing these days when it comes to video games? I wanna say good gamer, but uh no, I play I play a lot of Fortnite, a lot of uh,
2: NHL and I play a lot of Call of Duty this off season.
0: What do you like about Fortnite? Uh
2: yeah, you know mainly a lot of my buddies play it. And uh, you know, it's a pretty fun game. You know, I just got to... Uh, last one to survive so I mean it's fun I mean, enjoy it and uh like my buddies play so it's good to uh, play with them from uh I don't get to see them a lot from my college but it's a fun, play- it's a fun game
0: um when you play NHL do you take a specific team how, how what do you usually what's your strategy with NHL uh
2: yeah I usually play with uh, uh I started playing with the Red Wings when I first got it but I started playing a lot with the LA Kings but it just kind of depends on uh how I'm playing that day or if I need a, a team that's really a little bit better so I can get some wins. But.
0: That makes me both happy and sad because I'm a massive Red Wings fan. So, right. like, I enjoyed the first part of that. And now I'm a little sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you a hockey fan yourself? Uh, I wasn't a hockey fan until uh, my first offseason.
2: I just started going to a lot of the, say a good amount of the Lightning games. So I kind of just,
0: kind of just learned the game from that, going to games and playing the video game. That's, um... And any other games that you like to play a lot, or those those are your two primary ones.
2: Uh, yeah, Call of Duty, I play a lot this off season. Um, did play a lot of a lot of Grand Theft Auto too. Still play that one, but uh, yeah, mainly the those right there.
0: Is that the best part about being a starting pitcher? Is that you actually like can do stuff like that on the days you're not pitching?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, get some uh, free time. I'll definitely uh, get on and play some uh, video games, but.
0: I thought you guys were all supposed to play golf and stuff on your the days you're not pitching. Do you play golf? Uh,
2: I do play a little bit of golf, but I'm not very good. I didn't play too much. and uh, Yeah, I'm not very good at it, so I don't enjoy it as much as the other guys are. Pretty good.
0: You're very tall. Does that affect things when it comes to playing golf or no?
2: Uh, no, i got pretty uh, you know, decent-sized clubs that fit, so it's all right, yeah. This
0: must be immense. Yep. All right, AJ Puck, thank you so much for joining us on Player's Choice. Yep, thank you. We're welcoming John Shea back to A's Plus for the Shea Plus segment. John has been spending some time in A's camp this spring. Uh, John, what are your impressions just sort of generally from what you've seen with your your time at Cam Stadium?
3: Well, the impressions are probably similar to the coaching staff's impressions in that uh, they would probably like the starting pitching to come uh, into fruition a little bit more than it has uh, a lot of the starters have been uh, somewhat slow in getting their timing rhythm and consistency and effectiveness uh, going I checked in with uh, Cotton the other day and he, he looked pretty darn good in his third outing his change-up is just fooling the heck out of hitters I think he struck out five out of six batters in one stretch. Uh, I saw Kendall Graveman, who started opening day last year, who's obviously going to be in the mix for that spot this year, unless they sign uh, uh, Jake Arrieta, (laughs) which I don't think is going to happen, but... He, he was, you know, he, he's had a, he had a little rough outing. He walked his first two batters. And I mean, that's kind of been the theme. Sometimes these guys have good outings and they follow them by kind of poor outings. And this is a real important camp for the rotation. They didn't get anybody in the off season. So they're bringing back everybody. And obviously it starts with Mania and Graveman or Graveman and Manaya, And Mania has been slow with the back issue and that's an uncertainty, and they really want Cotton to be a third or fourth guy. And the night I saw him, he looked really, really good. And, you know, big laundry list of guys in the fourth and fifth spot. So it's, uh yeah, the rotation's going to make or break this team. So that's, that's kind of the focus uh, in, in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, to me the most interesting thing about camp so far has been A.J. Puck, who's been by far – the best pitcher uh, in, in camp, and he, you know, he's very young. He's 23. Uh, team is unlikely, certainly, to have him on the roster to start the season. But I would not be surprised at all to see him by mid-June. Which, you know, certainly, you know, the the service time question uh, is obviously taken care of if you if you bring a guy up like two weeks into the season. June uh, probably gets around. Super 2 status, I I think the A's probably would do that. But you know what? We could even see him before that. He has been that good. He's been so much better than everyone else. And he, uh, within a year or two, he could be a really frontline starter.
3: The front office looks at these guys in the long term. The manager looks at these guys in the now. If it were up to Bob Melvin, he would probably be in the opening day rotation. He's been that good, like you said. But with the kind of the contract situation and the fact that, uh, if they hold back and keep him in the minors, uh, you know, just for a few days, he won't start his six year free agent clock. So they could really get seven years out of him. And in terms of your super two, you're right. Uh, uh, if they wait till June, then they would get three years before he's eligible for arbitration. You think Bob Melvin cares about any of that? No, he would love (laughs) to have that guy in, in the rotation. And I asked him, uh, before one of the games here, I, I said, well, what about opening day uh, rotation? I mean, if he's better than everybody else, and if a lot of these guys are struggling to get out since spring training, why not? And he said, who knows? In other words, maybe he's not ruling it out. Maybe he could still talk to some people into uh into happy. i don't see it i don't see it and you know what it's a dream for A's fans
0: it is it, really it's good. fun to think about but remember he has not pitched above double a so a little mm. bit of triple a time even two months is not it's certainly not going to hurt him um but it might it might hurt bob melvin <laughs> but uh aj will will be just fine uh but man he's he's a beast you know six foot seven throws upper 90s and with control and a nasty slider. I mean, who, who wouldn't want that? Every manager would be salivating over that.
3: And who knows? Uh, maybe he draws. Maybe he's uh, a guy who could get fans out there. So maybe the marketing department would love to have him. You know, the people who run the contracts, Billy Bean and David Forrest, they might, obviously they have the, the, the choice in the matter. It's up to them more than anybody. And like you said, maybe he needs a little time in AAA, but not long we're going to see him this summer and he's going to make a splash when he shows up. You know, other things I've I seen, uh, Marcus Simeon's been looking really good. He's, he's, he's hitting great. His timing is good. And he's kind of evolving. Uh, as I wrote the other day, he, you know, evolving into a, somewhat of a team leader, you know, they have Jed Lowry up the middle with him and he's older. He's 33. He's the oldest position player uh, on the 40 man roster. And, and Marcus is several years younger, but you know Marcus, he kind of morphed into this veteran who people really respect. I mean, we all know how hard he works, and going back to Ron Washington, all the hours he put pregame into, uh, you know, getting rid of those 30 plus errors as he, as, you know, that that he committed his first year here, and he really improved his second year. He got the 27 home runs. He was hurt last year, and I think he's uh, equally committed to putting up big numbers this year offensively. And, you know, defense continues to be his bread and butter, his uh, priority. I mean, it doesn't matter if you hit 27 home runs, if you're not going to field your position and shortstop is it. And he's he's helping a couple of younger uh, kids in camp. Among the top prospects, Barreto and Mateo, you know, they're both shortstop, second baseman. And that's exactly the position that Simeon has played in the major league. So he's kind of an influence on those guys. And I talked to the manager, and I talked to those two kids. I talked to Simi, and I even talked to Lowry. And they all agree. yeah, yeah, this guy, this guy's uh, a, a guy you pay attention to when, when he talks. He doesn't talk much, but like Melvin said, he leads by example because he shows up every day, works hard, and he, he's real hard to get out of the lineup. Melvin said it's a fist fight just to get him <laughs> out of the lineup. And he said literally, I'd like to see that.
0: Yeah, and remember the A's talked to him about a multi-year deal. Last off season, not this most recent off season. Um, it didn't wind up working out, but you've got to think at some point that they might revisit that. And that uh, you know, after missing what almost two months last year with a that broken hand, you would think that Marcus might think, you know, what we've got one kid now, another on the way. You know, maybe a multi year deal makes some sense. It would be nice to see them start locking up some guys, and I think he's the perfect one yeah, to start yeah. off with. What what are you making of the the battle for sort of the center field and fourth outfielder spots because I think they they went in thinking if Dustin Fowler's healthy, he's the starting uh center fielder on opening day. He's kind of, you know, un- understandably a little rusty. There's some other guys that are swinging the bat a little better. What what are your thoughts just in in your time there so far?
3: Well, Fowler had that surgery back in June. And, you know, he claims to be, you know, at or near 100%. Uh, the other day, I saw him lay out an infield single with great speed, and then, and then he stole second base with ease. And I think he could be a perfect solution for for the leadoff spot. Um, I think they're really hoping he he takes that role and runs with it. And yeah, there's there's all kinds of uh, options, uh, you know, in the in the outfield whether it's uh, you know, Canna or Powell or smolensky Bob Melvin was saying the other day, you know, they don't know if they're going to have three or four bench jobs available, depending on how many pitchers they keep. I, I just can't imagine a bench with three guys, one being a catcher. Uh, you're so hamstrung, but yeah, that's just the that's way the world. That's what they did most because,
0: of last year,
3: though. Yeah. But that's and and why starters, Chad Pinder such a key. Yeah. Especially on this team, they just don't go eight innings. And the, the bullpen's got to eat up a lot of those innings. So you, you, you just can't keep throwing the same guys out there every night. So that's why they need a big bullpen. And um, it's, it's uh, yeah, you're right. Pinder is, is a valuable asset. You know, I, I saw him take grounders. I saw, I saw him take flies. He's, he's kind of a, everywhere guy and uh who, who knows where else maybe catcher <laughs> he could he could probably do it all
0: if you ask him i'm sure he could now i know um you also uh, had an interesting assignment uh, while you were at spring training uh going over to see one of the a's al west rivals uh you went out i, I believe for tim lincecum's essentially it wasn't his first day i don't think he was in uniform but you were there with the day you got the physical etc um, what can you tell us about that
3: well, it came down to two teams, he said. It was the Rangers or the Dodgers. And, of course, he pitched in the uh, American League West last year. I think he debuted against the A's. He looked very good. He made nine starts, but his ERA was nine-plus. And that doesn't cut it in the big leagues, I don't think. So he took a year off. Oh, I guess it was two years ago with the Angels. So he took a year off and got a little stronger, uh, got the hip and the core much better. Better in rhythm with his timing and his mechanics, which kind of funky anyway. But yeah, Ace fans are going to see a lot of him, including uh, in the first week of the season. And he's fighting for a bullpen job. And I think you know people say, well, why didn't he join the Dodgers if he had that opportunity? Because you got the Padres, you got the Dodgers, and you got the Giants—all pitching parks. You go to the American League, you're going to have to face the DH. You go to Texas, and he's had an issue. I remember a game in Cincinnati; he he just. He just couldn't finish because it was just so darn hot. And that's every day in Arlington, right? Yeah. But, you know, you, you, there there are a lot of parks in that league, including in that division, um, that are hitter parks. But I think it came down to the role. And who knows if he would have made the Dodger staff. I mean, they're pretty deep, including in the bullpen. But the Rangers staff, they need guys. Yeah. They don't really have a closer. I mean, not that he's – I mean, they spoke about it. And Lincecum said, "Yeah, I, I closed in college a little bit. I closed in the in in the Cape a little bit, but that's not the big leagues." And Lincecum, on the other hand, how dynamic was he in the 2012 postseason as a reliever? So I, I think you know it's it's kind of a it's not a big risk situation for the Rangers who signed him for a million bucks. Uh, it's a nice story for Lincecum because. Uh, you know, he's a lot of people love him and especially in the Bay Area. Um the guy they root for him. I mean every you know, he's like Steph Curry. You, you root for the little guy. You root for the guy who maybe wasn't expected to do all this great stuff. Uh the guy who looks like everybody else, right? He's five foot ten, five foot foot five foot eleven and and not even two hundred pounds. And when he throws a fastball like he used to, it's it's amazing. But his fastball is supposed to be down, you know much better than it was the last time we saw him in Anaheim, maybe closer to 92. Not what we saw in his first year with the Giants, but kind of what we saw later on, somewhat effective when he when he was on. But anyway, yeah, Ace fans, it might be pretty cool seeing him out there. Probably some Giant fans might cross the bay to, to see him pitch. But first he's got to make the team, and that's not a given.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the, off the you talk about likable kind of every everyday kind of guys. They've, they've also got the very lovable Bartolo Colon in there fighting for a job. So that you talk about the extremes, little little Timmy and then Big Bartolo, roly-poly Bartolo. So I, that's, they're kind of really going to be an interesting team to keep an eye on. And, yeah, they will be in Oakland nice and early. So uh, fun to keep an eye on. John Shea, as always, um, an absolute pleasure to have you on A's Plus, and we will talk to you again next week. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Susan. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is The Third by Anatech, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. This show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more A's coverage, you can follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com.